Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I am your host, Carrie Parker, as always. And I've got another news show for you this week. It's actually kind of been kind of a light week, so we don't have a whole lot to cover this week, but a couple of articles I want to draw your attention to. Um, and of course, hopefully, we've got uh, some more <laughs> interviews coming up here soon. A little bit of a dry spell. I apologize for that. It's been just kind of hard getting. I've got a couple. A couple people on the line trying to get them lined up and just had some scheduling issues. But hopefully another week or two, we'll have another great interview lined up for you. Uh, in the meantime, though, let's talk about some news. Uh, just a couple things I want to talk about to you this week. First of all, the news article about a photo app that was caught using all the images that people were uploading to train a facial recognition system, but not disclosing that to their customers. Uh, kind of an interesting feature from Google uh, that they've just come out with at their annual developer conference that will let you auto-delete data from their system. That's interesting. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a Facebook secret crush app uh, that is part of the Facebook dating platform now that lets you find, well, secret crushes. What could possibly go wrong? We'll talk about that. Uh, and then just to wrap up, uh, I wanted to br uh, bring your attention to some interesting articles, uh, one in particular in the New York Times about breaking up Facebook. So, uh, a few different things to talk about this week, and uh, without further ado, let's let's get into the news. All right, first up, there's an article from The Verge that I ran across that talks about a photo app. Uh, one of these things where it's, it lets you basically back up all your photos somewhere, which is, you know, kind of nice. Back up and organize your photos uh, online, in the cloud, for free. Uh, unlimited, why not? Sounds great. Um, but it turns out that they've started using those photos for uh, other purposes and they didn't really properly inform their users. So let me read you a little bit from this article from The Verge and then we'll talk about it. A photo storage app that offers users, quote, free, unlimited, private backup of all your life's memories, unquote, has been secretly using customers' private snaps to train and sell facial recognition software. As detailed in a report from NBC News, the startup, Ever, launched as a simple cloud storage business in 2013, but pivoted to becoming a facial recognition technology vendor in 2017 after realizing that a photo app, quote, wasn't going to be a venture-scale business, unquote. Customers, though, were not informed of this change or how their photographs and videos are now being used. The company's original 2,500-word privacy policy stated that facial recognition helped, quote, organize, unquote, users' files, letting them group together images all of the same individual. The only acknowledgement that this data was also being used to train AI was contained in a single cryptic line, quote, your files may be used to help improve and train our products and these technologies, unquote. After the company was contacted by NBC News in April, it updated its privacy policy, adding a sentence to explain that these products include, quote, enterprise face recognition offerings, unquote. But experts say that the company clearly violated users' privacy by failing to inform them how their personal data was being used. Quote, they are commercially exploiting the likeness of people in the photos to train a product that is sold to the military and law enforcement, unquote, uh, from New York University's law professor Jason Schultz told NBC News, quote, the idea that users are given, have given real consent of any kind is laughable, unquote. Now, Ever itself does not, um, has not sold its software to the military or law enforcement. Its customers include SoftBank Robotics, maker of the Pepper Robot, and stresses that it never shows personal data about users. But its pivot shows how facial recognition systems are often trained by photos taken from an unsuspecting public. All right, so I wanted to call this out for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, facial recognition technology has gotten quite good. It's not perfect by any means. In fact, uh, there's been several studies showing that it 
tends to fail most often on uh, minorities, people of color. So it is not perfect. And unfortunately, the, the folks that it tends to identify worst are often people that are profiled in other ways anyway. But cameras are now everywhere. Not only are we carrying them everywhere, um, not only in our cameras, but people are using dash cams and uh, home security cams, ring doorbell cams, uh, all sorts of things. And of course, you know, cities and towns and law enforcement and others are using cameras everywhere as well. And so now we have these cameras everywhere and it's not that much harder to take these cameras and hook them up to facial recognition software and start thinking of interesting ways to use that. Uh, anyway, so in this particular case, uh, this photo saving site, you know, was offering a free service that did have value. And of course, if it's free, they got to make money somewhere. And so they realized they were sitting on a treasure trove of facial recognition samples, basically. Uh, so they started using that information to train facial recognition systems. But the problem there is that they didn't really inform their users that they were doing that. And while it, certainly so far they're saying that they have not sold this technology to military and law enforcement, you know, you, if, you know, if you were originally thinking, oh, okay, they're making some other product better and that's how they're making their money, fine. They can use my samples for that. I don't care. Uh, but maybe you do care if that, if that facial recognition system is being sold to the military. Uh, perhaps to automatically find, you know, potential terrorist targets uh, or for the military, or I'm sorry, for the for law enforcement where it might be used to uh, arrest people, perhaps incorrectly. That, that has already happened several times uh, using facial recognition software where the wrong person has been, has been nabbed because the, the recognition was incorrect. Um, you know, there's, you certainly have the right to know that that's what it's being used for. So in case you do have a, an objection to that, you should be able to opt out. So anyway, um, the other reason I call this out, of course, is that nobody ever reads privacy policies, but even if you had, it wouldn't have helped you in this case. So what are the consequences for this so far? Nothing, you know, maybe somebody will sue them. I don't know, but there really are no regulations against this. This is, it's the wild west. There's just no law, no regulation in the United States stopping this from happening. All right, next up, Google, uh, actually, I think Google, Facebook, and Microsoft all had their big developer conferences, their annual developer conferences recently, so they've all had lots of announcements. Um, Google um, announced many things uh, around Android and other things as well in their Chrome browser, but this one caught my attention, and I thought I would pass it on. Uh, let me read you a little bit from this article from Gizmodo that talks about this new feature. Knowing that our apps gather boatloads of information about us, some for years, can be unsettling. Google's various apps are chief among these, and the company said it has heard user requests to make managing their data a simpler process. The company announced Wednesday that it's rolling out a new feature to allow users to auto-delete their location and activity data after 3 or 18 months. According to TechCrunch, the feature will extend to a user's browsing history in Chrome, as well as in-app data and Google Discover feature for Android. When asked by Gizmodo for confirmation, Google would not confirm how far the auto-delete feature extends across its products, but it should apply to services that use your Google login. This is a pretty neat and welcome feature. I'll have a comment on that in a minute. Google already has tools in place to turn location or app activity data on or off, and users can still delete their data manually, but no one has time for that, and this new feature will likely still allow Google Apps to serve user needs while also wiping their data within a reasonable time frame. Google tracking some of your activity can make your browsing more convenient in the short term, but no one wants that data sitting around forever. A Google spokesperson told Gizmodo by email that the company landed on the 3- and 18-month time frames after it found they were preferred by users. As, as the data can be representative of a three-month season or multiple seasons. Google said this feature will first arrive 
for location data before later expanding to web and app data in the coming weeks. Okay, so yes, on its surface, this is a good thing. This is a positive movement. This is at least some way for you to limit how long the data that they're taking from you, from all these various inputs, uh, will last and how long they will sit on it. Uh, I think this is a welcome new feature. I do think it's a good idea. However, uh, I will take this with a major grain of salt. <laughs> um, you know, they can get a lot of useful info out of that uh, within even just three months. And it's not at all clear to me that they have not basically taken that data, derived what they needed from it, and then throw away the raw data in favor of the correlated data. And of course, it's also not clear exactly what data this applies to, uh, and really how easy it's going to be for a user to find and set this feature. So anyway, it's a good, it's a step in the right direction. It's a small step in the right direction. So I wanted to call it out and, you know, give uh, credit where credit is due. At least they are listening and they're starting to do some of these things. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've still got a long way to go on this. All right, next up, Facebook has a new feature in its dating app that lets you find your secret crush. Uh, this was from the San Jose Mercury News. Uh, let me read just this very brief part of this, then we'll talk about it. In case you missed it, while Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was using the F8 technology conference to tout Facebook's latest re-emphasis on technology, the company was busy rolling out a way to let you share your feelings, albeit secretly, with those you might still like to send one of those old school classroom do you like me notes to. It's called Secret Crush, and it's an extension of Facebook dating, which lets you choose up to nine, yes, nine, of the friends you already have, then put them on a list you are interested in. Call it the ultimate Facebook like. So how do you know if someone has a crush on you? Facebook will send you a notification if the person has added you as one of their secret crushes. However, you don't get to know who that person is unless you happen to have put them on your crush list. At that point, Facebook, because it really does know everything about everything you do at all times, will then match you together and re reveal your crushed to one another. You also have to be signed up for a Facebook dating profile in order to get the crush notifications. Alas, you may have to wait a while. Facebook dating and secret crush won't be available here in America until later this year. But if you live in Canada, Mexico, Argentina, or 16 other countries, well, you can let the crushing begin now. All right, so let's get this straight. Facebook, who already knows an awful lot about you, uh, is now wanting to know who you are secretly crushing on. And, you know, fine, this is true love. <laughs> if, if it makes people happy and gets people together, sure, that's a great, that's a good thing. But, man, do you really want Facebook to know this as well? Um, but, okay, so, so again, to be clear, the way this works is you have all your Facebook friends, and supposedly you've got crushes on, apparently, up to nine of them simultaneously. So I don't know how much of a true love thing that is. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you got a secret crush on somebody and you mark them as such, and they in turn do the same to you, you will both be notified that you have crushed on each other and you can take that to whatever next step you want to take. <laughs> My advice is still just to delete Facebook. <laughs> but, you know, hey, if you're on Facebook and you're, you know, looking for that special someone and that special someone is one of your friends and you think that might be your special someone as well, you know, sure. So that leads me to uh, really my final topic, uh, and then and then into the tip of the week. Uh, and since we had such a light news week this week and kind of a short show, uh, maybe we could take a little break from doing anything terribly taxing uh, for your tip of the week. But I do would like to encourage you to read uh, two different articles. 
Uh, one of them is about breaking up Facebook, and there's part of a new, new-ish, New York Times opinion uh, column uh, thing called the Privacy Project. And they've got some really interesting articles there, actually. Hopefully, when you get in there and you see this, you might look around and see others that were uh, good to read as well. Uh, but there's a really, I think, important article that has just come out that I encourage you to read. Uh, and it's called It's Time to Break Up Facebook. And it's by Chris Hughes. And uh, I admit, I did not know this name. But Chris Hughes apparently was one of the founders, along with Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Facebook. So he was there back in the early days. And I think he left. It's in the article. I can't remember. But maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, he left Facebook with his fortune. Um, it's it's a very, very well-written article. Uh, it's kind of interesting in that it gives you some background into how things developed at Facebook and what Mark Zuckerberg was like in the early days and how that has really not changed that much uh, up to current days and how he sees him running the company and, and making the decisions that he's made in regard to basically sacrificing privacy and sacrificing his customers really to expand the company at all costs. And it's also kind of a good treatise on antitrust and monopolies and some of the history in our country of how we eventually came to understand that monopolies were bad for the general populace and the Sherman Trust Act or the Sherman Antitrust Act that, that kind of started the whole breakup of things and some examples of some monopolies that we have actively broken up in the past and how we've really failed to do that in the modern age. Uh, and he makes the point that, you know, the kind of the prevailing litmus test for our government over the last 30 or 40 years for viewing monopolies and antitrust is, you know, does it raise prices for consumers if they allow these mergers to continue and this consolidation and all these big companies snapping up their rivals or merging with equals to become mega corporations that really can't be challenged because they're just, they're just too big. There's a face like Facebook. If you were going to leave Facebook, where would you go? There's nowhere to go because there's no other competition. And Facebook has made a point of removing that competition, which this article talks about. But because the things they do, because the service is basically free, well, it is it is free. Um, there's no, you know, using the 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 price litmus test the for how it impacts consumers just doesn't make sense, and yet it still has a considerable impact on our society and our democracy, as we saw with Cambridge Analytica. So anyway, uh, it's a really good article. It's not short. Um, but it's well worth a read. So uh, my tip of the week for you is to go check out the New York Times Privacy Project in general, and specifically to read this article on breaking up Facebook. I think it's timely, and I think it's something we definitely need to be considering, not just for Facebook, but for others as well. Um, and it has some really good ar uh, arguments for why we need to consider this and why we've gotten to the place where we are now and maybe how we can fix that. While you're there, you might want to check out another article that was recently released by uh, Google CEO Sundar Pichai. Uh, sorry if I butchered that name. Um, called Privacy Should Not Be a Luxury Good. Um, it's also interesting, and it kind of sounds like it's saying all the right things. However, I think there's still a lot of gaping holes in there <laughs> that um, Google could uh, still use to exploit. And, and it's... 
good to know that Google is trying to roll out some more privacy stuff. Um, and they've got some other things that they've announced recently. But it's also important to realize that kind of what they're doing, the the, the tracking things that they're promising to block with cookies and such, what it's really doing is kind of cementing their leadership in tracking. Uh, because they've got so many other ways they can track you. If they come out in favor of blocking the more common, easier ways to track you, all they're really doing is hurting their competition and helping themselves. So you're really, unfortunately with Google and Facebook for that matter, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg recently came out and declared that Facebook is going to go be a privacy-centric company. Um, in both cases, I would take those with major grains of salt. Um, and at the end of the day, you really have to parse it very carefully. And while I think they all see that legislation is coming, not unlike the GDPR legislation that has finally started to protect user privacy and data uh, in Europe somewhat, um, that it's coming here too. And so I think what these companies are doing is they're trying to get ahead of this, trying to make it look like they want to be part of the solution, when in reality, I think what they really want to do is they want to write the legislation. Um, they want to lobby hard for this and they want to get in there and they want to make sure that whatever legislation comes out is full of gaping holes that they can still exploit. And while on the surface, from a PR perspective, looking like they're touting privacy. Um, anyway, I'm sure that sounds very jaded, uh, but that's, that's my opinion. And anyway, obviously I encourage you to form your own opinion. And one of the ways you can do that is by reading some of these articles. So bring it all back home. Uh, check out the New York Times Privacy Project, in particular, uh, this article called It's Time to Break Up Facebook. I will, of course, have links to this in the show notes. Uh, so I encourage you to, to spend a little time and do some reading. Um, certainly that Facebook article is well worth a read. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We had a nice short week and not a whole lot going on. It's nice to take a little break, actually, sometimes and know that things aren't always falling apart. The sky's not always falling. Uh, so thanks again for listening. I very much appreciate that. I did want to mention, uh, because it's come up in my class, and I really honestly should mention this more often, if you are an owner of the book, uh, either the paper copy of Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons or the ebook, um, there is uh, an online site with APRESS, my publisher, where I keep uh, all the errata of the book. If I find links that have been broken or uh, if there's something missing from the book or mistakes or what is often the case, you know, some of the directions that I have in the book have changed because the products themselves have changed. I try to keep this all there. Uh, there's not a whole lot there now, but um, my point in bringing it up now is A, to let you know that it's there and B, uh, if you do have the book and if you do come across something that's no longer working, please let me know. Uh, you can reach me at carrie at com. Uh, you can find that, of course, on the podcast website uh, as well. You can probably find it on the APRESS website. Um, and uh, the, at the APRESS website, you can go and you can find the link there for... Uh, it's, I'll put it in the show notes. It's uh, When you go to the page for the book itself, it's kind of on the lower right-hand page. I think it says something like Download Extra Material. Uh, it's in a little section under the uh, Buy Now thing uh, where it says Services for this book. So it's a little bit cryptic, uh, but if you click on that Download Extra Material, you'll. it's actually, I've kind of got like a little web page that's devoted to the book. And on that, you can find uh, a lot of things, actually. You can find links to my website. Uh, if you need them, because especially if you've got the paper copy of the book, you can't, really, you can't click your mouse on the pages of a physical book, uh, and there's a lot of links in that book. 
But if you go to the website, all those links in order by chapter can be reached from that webpage as well. You can also find the same thing on my website, by the way, under the book, uh, book resources link that's on my website. So uh, that will help you out for sure. And actually part of the problem, one of the, things, one of the main erotic things is I, this link was supposed, the link to these links was supposed to be in the book. And unfortunately, we missed it. All of us, the whole editing team. I think it was in tip 2.1, 2-1. So that's the first piece of errata in the book is that this link is missing, uh, which is unfortunately is a bit of a catch-22. So I'm telling you now. Uh, So you find that on the website, and there's a lot of good resources there, in particular the the, the link to all the book links and a link to any errata. And that'll do it. As always, uh, check out the website, Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I have my blog is there. Every two weeks, I push out an article. If you want to get those pushed to you directly, you can sign up for the newsletter. And basically, every two weeks, I try to send you one very actionable item. It often corresponds to the same tip of the week of the show, but not always. And there's other great resources on the website as well. If you haven't already, please take the time to go and rate this podcast. I would very much appreciate that. Uh, you can also rate the book on Amazon.com. That would be helpful as well. And that's going to be it. Uh, I will see you again next week, everybody. Uh, In the meantime, everybody stay safe out there. And don't get caught with your garbage down. 